two deconstructions diverged in a modern wood, and the young evangelical stands with a choice. The story is quite common, or at least commonly put forth publicly. I grew up in an evangelical church, had a young conversion experience, went on youth retreats, had bracelets and homeboy t-shirts, but in recent years, I've started to have doubts. My college professors rattled my confidence, my former youth pastor had an affair, my intellectual Christian leaders have been found morally bankrupt, and many of my friends have walked away from faith. I think I need to wholly reconsider my beliefs. What has become known as deconstructing your faith is a hot trend within my demographic as young American evangelical Christians are largely in a state of spiritual panic. And while trends definitionally come and go, there's a reason why Chrysler is no longer making the PT Cruiser, part of the reason trends go is because they are adequately addressed. It needs to be stated at the outset that in this fallen world, there is no organization that does not deserve scrutiny. There have been many despicable things done in the name of Jesus. However, what deconstruction should attempt to discern is whether or not the claims of Christianity are true and, tangentially, whether or not the despicable things done in the name of Jesus are consistent with the Christian faith or contradictory to the Christian faith. So, I'd like to attempt to answer the question, should I deconstruct my faith? Per usual, and perhaps quite literally in this case, the devil is in the details. Come with me, Zoomers and Millennials, and anyone else who's along for the ride as we consider your choice on deconstruction. When contemplating any task in life, it's generally helpful to peer into the past and find those who failed drastically or accomplished the task well and learn from their attempt. There's a reason why DIY YouTube receives millions of views, but like trying to change the starter in your car, deconstructing your faith is more complicated than a three-minute video may suggest. Rhett McLaughlin, one half of the internet duo Rhett and Link, and notable deconstructor, has, in the most millennial way possible, cataloged his deconstruction journey on the internet for all to see. In his words, Over the course of my adult life, I came to think that Christians might actually have it backwards. When scientists questioned the truth of the Bible, they were most likely right. That was the process. It was a slow and steady shift coming to the conclusion that gave me permission to question the underlying cosmic principles of evangelical Christianity. McLaughlin started to doubt, though notably, he does not actually name the topics that scientists have right and Christians have wrong. Through his doubts, he chooses to deconstruct and now sits outside of the Christian faith. But as Chesterton points out, when man ceases to believe in God, he doesn't believe in nothing, he believes in anything. McLaughlin goes on in another video. The more structured and programmatic a spiritual system gets, the more suspect I become of it. My foundation was built out of the wrong material, and I basically demolished the whole building. I deconstructed. My search for purpose and meaning has never waned. There is a religious disposition in my personality, but I've realized that they, there are these two parallel, seemingly conflicting forces in my life at the same time and that is my relentless skepticism, and then my persistent desire for ultimate meaning. These two things just refuse to die. He longs for purpose, but doubts everything and anything that could satisfy that desire. 
When left outside the guardrails of his Christian faith, McLaughlin is found to have both feet firmly planted in midair. Once again, from Chesterton, the purpose of an open mind is to shut it again on something solid. None of this is particularly surprising, but it needs to be stated that not all deconstruction is created equal. There are deconstruction projects that end in something of an intellectual reconstruction, some that are stuck in intellectual purgatory, and those that result in intellectual hell. McLaughlin is likely somewhere in this middle ground of intellectual purgatory, but the middle ground is on a trajectory towards intellectual hell. So it is worth rounding out the spectrum to get a better understanding of deconstruction and where it is going. There is more nuance, as there always is, but for the sake of understandability, let us consider the fork in the French deconstruction road. First, from René Descartes. The 17th century mathematician, scientist, philosopher pens perhaps the most famous phrase in all of Western philosophy. I think, therefore I am. We frequently throw it out as if Descartes was walking a red carpet and a reporter asked for a quote, but in reality, that statement is a part of the first modern project of intellectual deconstruction. In Meditations on First Philosophy, Descartes sets out to doubt, or to impose our modern language, deconstruct, everything he has believed. He writes in the opening lines, It is now some years since I detected how many were the false beliefs that I had from my earliest youth admitted as true, and how doubtful was everything that I had since constructed on this basis. And from that time I was convinced that I must, once and for all, seriously undertake to rid myself of all opinions which I had formerly accepted. This is deconstruction at its finest and earliest. In many ways, he pushes the limit of deconstruction far beyond what any contemporary would dare. Anything that can be doubted is, until there's nothing left. But Descartes brings a significant change in motivation when compared to his modern counterparts. In the midst of his epistemological nothingness, he searches for a bedrock foundation from which to rebuild what he has doubted. Going back to those opening lines, he writes... I must once for all seriously undertake to rid myself of all opinions which I had formerly accepted and commence to build anew from the foundation. It is with this intention in mind that he reaches the conclusion, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. The certainty of thinking provides the foundation that Descartes needs to start building back up what he had intellectually torn down. For Descartes, deconstruction is done with the expressed purpose of construction. What is torn down is done respectfully, so that he can rebuild a more stable structure. Even though, from a Christian worldview, there's a lot to dislike about Descartes' philosophical undertaking, his desire to build is baked into his careful deconstruction, and when compared to his intellectual progeny, his project stands in stark contrast. Which brings us to the second option. On the other side of the two deconstruction roads in the modern wood is Jacques Derrida. Even though most evangelicals have barely heard and probably never read Derrida, he plays first chair in the deconstruction orchestra as he pulls meaning away from language, leaving ambiguity behind. In his 1967 book on grammatology, he writes, There are things like reflecting pools and images 
an, an infinite reference from one to another, but no longer a source, a spring. There's no longer a simple origin, for what is reflected is split in itself, and not only as an addition to itself of its image, the reflection, the image, the double, splits what it doubles. The origin of the speculation becomes a difference. What can look at itself is not one, and the law of the addition of the origin to its representation, of the thing to its image, is that one plus one makes at least three. Now, apart from the dubious math, Derrida is posing the problem of subjectivity. If you had a problem keeping track of what he was saying, you're not alone. It is no accident that a philosoph philosophical project that argues for the incomprehensibility of philosophy is largely incomprehensible. Like another great fictional French thinker, Gaston, Derrida is a great spitter, and this is the flemme de la creme. It is intellectual gobbledygook, and that is a feature, not a bug. He writes elsewhere, A text is not a text unless it hides from the first corner. From the first glance, the law of its composition and the rules of its game. A text remains, moreover, forever imperceptible. Its law and its rules can simply never be booked in the present into anything that could rigorously be called perception. Derrida has deconstructed to the point that true knowledge is out of your reach because you are limited by your own subjective understanding of all things. Now, the problem of subjectivity deserves to be considered, and if you're up for the task, I would suggest, is there a meaning in this text by Kevin Van Hooser for a Christian response that does not hand-wave away the postmodern critique? But it is worth pointing out that Derrida makes no attempt to improve upon Western philosophy. He only offers critique. His form of deconstruction makes no attempt to say anything, rather opting to undo what others have said. Or in other words, he burns everything down just to play in the ashes. Derrida has no desire to build. He does not long for beauty or clarity. He is content to cause chaos and offer no solutions. It is a cynical and empty approach to thinking. Now, it's impossible to trace these connections, but anecdotally, I would suggest that most evangelicals who go down the deconstruction path choose Derrida over Descartes. Motivated by cynicism, bitterness, vengeance, and the like, many deconstructing evangelicals go down a path that leads to a scorched earth from which it is difficult to ever return. It is the very scorched earth that Nietzsche warned about when he first had his madman arrive and announce that God is dead. Derrida did not heed the warning. So should you deconstruct your faith? Like many choices, the crux lies in the motivation. This is a matter of what you use to adjudicate your deconstruction. If your own deconstruction is judged on the scales of truth, then by all means, ask difficult questions. Examine every worldview from as many angles as possible. If you're trying to find the validity or lack thereof of your Christian faith, then by all means, ask even potentially difficult and deconstructing questions. The doctrines of the church are not afraid of honest inquiry, for the truth has yet to lose in a fair fight. Seek wise counsel, read challenging books, consider the most pressing and difficult questions to the Christian faith and its alternatives. 
for in the tradition of Francis Schaeffer, there must be a place for honest answers to honest questions. However, if your deconstruction is judged on the scales of bitterness, personal vengeance, frustration, cynicism, and contempt, I would suggest you take a step back and attempt to address those motivations before considering the truth, or lack thereof, of your faith. There is yet to be an intellectual project that produced an honorable, family-enriching, society-constructing, character-building outcome that had bitterness at the root. Down the highway of bitterness and cynicism leads, quite shockingly, to a life of bitterness and cynicism. Down the highway of a search for truth leads to the almighty God of the universe. At a minimum, when you consider the question of deconstructing your faith, you should be knowledgeable about your motives for deconstructing. Because when you burn everything down, it's difficult to remain clean when all that's left is ashes. <laughs>